0: This has been Modern Being Human, a podcast about contemporary society. And my guest today is Leanne Brennan. She is a motion designer and specializes in creating illustration, animation, and video for the innovation industry. She also runs programs to help people unleash their creativity and achieve their personal creative goals. And Lianne hosts a podcast about the nature of creativity called "The Epic Bounds." I'm really excited about our topic today. Welcome, Leanne, thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. To begin with, can you briefly introduce yourself and your background as a designer, as a creative professional so we have some framework for our conversation?
1: Sure. I grew up in New England and my mom is a painter. So I thought I would be going to college for illustration. When I got there, I fell in love with animation and realized that that would be a cool path. So I went to Rhode Island School of Design, majored in animation and film. From there, I went to work at a video game company, actually, as a character artist. And then realized I was missing the story aspect of video and animation. So I hopped on over to an innovation consultancy working as a motion designer. So that's when I really fell into this whole world of human-centered design and creating illustration, video, animation, whatever they needed to kind of explain future ideas that they were creating for products, new products and services for the world. And so now I'm in North Carolina and freelancing, doing that work. And I started my side business, Epic Bones, where I'm exploring a different path, which we can get to, but yeah, I'm, I'm here with my two kids and my husband and just living the dream as a working artist.
0: Oh, wonderful. That's really great to hear. Let's explore more. First of all, I would like to talk about the innovation industry. What do we mean by that? What kind of industries are included in that notion? And what is story time for innovation, something you, you have been doing? Innovation really just means problem solving.
1: I think in the past, we thought of R&D and this kind of reactive form of innovation where we were discovering new materials or new technology and saying like, ooh, what can we do with that? The world I'm coming in from is human-centered design. So you really start with the problem and think, is this even the right problem to solve? It's really rooted in research. So these teams will be spurred by either an opportunity area that the company discovers, or maybe an area in their company is not doing very well and they need to fix that. But it all starts in going to the customer or going to whoever this problem is around and researching, asking them questions, figuring out what's really going on here. And then they come up with insights and they come up with new ideas. So, where I come in is to say, okay, you guys did some great research. You solved the problem. You came up with the ideas for the future. And at this point, usually all they have is a really awesome PowerPoint presentation with a very charismatic project manager who's going to explain these ideas for the future. Maybe they have some renderings, if it's a product or if it's an environment, maybe they have some 3D renderings of a space. But what I do is I say, okay, let's put this in a nice, tight one minute, one to two minute video or animation so that we can feel what this new product or service is going to be like and understand all the pieces And it also lives on, so that when the next team member, who's maybe going to implement this, can get that footing in this nice short story.
0: Right. And could you give an example of a problem and how you approach that one short video? So just one case, maybe to get an idea of what it is. I
1: guess the last freelance project I worked on was this with this big in the US, it's big, this big automotive, like collision repair company, and they have locations all over the country. And they're working on figuring out how to serve their customers better in terms of scheduling. Because there's a lot of, I don't know, there's a lot of barriers to how they schedule when people have a car accident, and they don't know, like, oh, should I bring it to this location or that location? And there's a lot of ambiguity of like, are they working on my car or are they not working on my car? I don't know, because kind of like that Domino's pizza tracker, I want to see the progress. So there's all these pieces where the customer is feeling frustrated and this auto collision repair company wants to make that experience better. So an innovation consultancy, which is my client who I would work with as a motion designer, is solving that problem they're doing the research they're coming up with the ideas i don't do that part i come on at the end of the project when we're ready to tell the story of how they can fix that to the client so i work with innovation consultancies and i also work with innovation teams within large companies so i work direct with the client as well
0: that's really interesting and In what way is visual storytelling different from text? How do you actually come up with the idea of the video? Do you come up with an idea of the plot, of characters? How is it?
1: Yeah, text is great, and I love writing, and it's very necessary. And there are just like 100-page PowerPoint presentations That go along with these, you know, visions for the future that these teams are coming up with. And we need those. We need all the details. (laughs) But what visual storytelling can do is just give you that quick hit of like, what is this? So that when they're in the meeting, you know, the client is presenting this vision. They don't have to spend a half an hour explaining what this new service is gonna be. They can just show the one-minute video and you can just take it all in. And yes, I'm writing a script. I'm working with the team to figure out, okay, what is the big idea here? What's the big takeaway if you want the client to kind of walk away remembering one thing, what would that be? I'm doing all that. I'm writing a script, and I'm creating design assets so i'm I'm designing characters and I'm animating them in the environment. So we're giving the context in which this new future product or service is going to be used in an in a lot of presentations these days they are focusing on the screen like if they're making a new app it's divorced from the human there's no hands there's no face we can't see how do they feel about this new service we don't know all we see is the screen so what i do as i back up for a second and say like is it a mom does she have a baby on her hip is she Getting her toddler a snack, what's going on while she's using this app? I really give people what it feels like to use this future
0: product or service. Yeah, you humanize that product, you really make it approachable, which is so funny and ironic
1: because the area that I specialize in is called human-centered design. And they spend so much time in research. Their whole thing is to be connected to the people that are going to use this. But by the point that by the time they get to presenting this, it's all about like, we better make sure that they know how it works. Like, we better make sure they know all the features and they have some screenshots of people they've interviewed. But it's just there's nothing like taking it and pulling it all together in a video that kind of shows the whole picture.
0: I think that's the problem of having too much information and too many details that you really have to condense to something you can imagine, something Mm -hmm. you can relate to. I think it's a dilemma between logic and uh, your emotional self. Uh, Yeah, And and the client struggles with that.
1: That's part of why I'm so successful in this work is because I have the technical skill to pull off, like creating illustration and animation, but I also have the people skills to push back against the client and stand up for the story and say, No, we can't include that. I'm sorry. It's too much. That's going to make this a five minute video. They don't say it like that, but I'm able to gracefully push back and give recommendations that will make sure that this story is nice and tight and short and easy to digest. And I think that's the piece that a lot of artists haven't really honed because they haven't really had to. They're usually working with an art director or a creative director. And I'm kind of that all in one (laughs) as a practitioner and kind of guiding the client through this process.
0: That's awesome. And how do you get your creative ideas do you have some process you have to, to read something, to watch something? How does that happen? I always start with talking with
1: the client. I love, I, I do not want to read their PowerPoint presentation. Cause usually they will have one. I want to hear it from them because I want to make them do the mental work to summarize it for me. Cause I want to hear the words that they're using. And I want to hear the most current language because things are changing so rapidly in the innovation space. As they're, you know, doing these projects, I want to hear what they're going to say about this project when I say what is this about. So it starts there, and then I kind of get a feel for the vibe. Like, is this a more, you know, elegant, sophisticated luxury brand? Are we working with like, you know, these high caliber? I don't know if it's like an airport. Oh, what are those called? (laughs) Like a sky club or something. Is this that kind of vibe or is this more of like a parent and kid kind of thing? Like, I want to get a feel for the tone. I want to get a feel for any, you know, I'll ask for their brand guidelines to get their colors, because a lot of times you're working with a big company that they have their their guidelines already in place so you want to see those and then you're like okay you put it all together and then i think of what would be the right type of look and feel that would reach the people that are the decision makers that are going to watch this video so that they can receive it
0: now i would like to talk about um the program you teach the epic bones and about creativity. Your work is all about applying creative ideas to practice. How do you proceed when you are creatively stuck? I think you have a process and that's why you teach that program. First, I would like to hear about your mental process and then about how you teach it. Epic Bones is my other business, so not
1: related to what I do for my day job. And that really came out of this desire to create personal artwork. I'm spending all day doing these very serious, like business case things, and as an artist, after a couple years, like that'll start to really get to you. You know, the, the reason a lot of us went to art school is because we want to draw, <laughs> we want to make stuff that's coming from our soul, from our heart, and you, there's really no room for that in a business scenario, right? So Epic Bones was my answer to that, that kind of nudge, like, geez, I really just need something for myself. And so I built this whole program out of actually my own story where I was starting to get really depressed, having not had this personal practice. And I made all of these drawings in a way that I could really chip away at it in a doable pace with a newborn baby. And that's kind of what kicked this all off is that I realized I had to really pare down my style. I had to start so simple that it was almost kind of insulting to my my artist self. And I picked a style that could be done very quickly, that didn't need any setup. You know, there was no paint, brushes and water cans and stuff. So I decided to draw on Procreate in, in the iPad and with a digital with an apple pencil which was very much not my thing i don't like you know i i wasn't into that but it was out of necessity and that's when i learned all these pieces of like wow i can really help other people who are feeling stuck by teaching all these things that i picked up along the way where it's really like lower the stakes like Compromise on what you want to do. If you're feeling stuck or if you're feeling blocked, it's because what you want to do, it's too much. It's too overwhelming. And that's why you're paralyzed. So I really encourage people to pair back their style, do less just to start. And I promise them that they'll get there. Like it will get more complex. You'll get to do the fancy thing. But just to get on that entry ramp to starting your personal creative practice. If you're feeling that resistance, as I really teach people to make it easy, so easy, it almost feels insulting to do. So for writers, you know, if they're feeling stuck and they want to write this book, I tell them, you know, cool, like first, let's just get a creative practice going where you're writing because a lot of them come to me. I want to write a book. I'm like, cool. Are you writing every day? And they say, no. And I'm like, okay. first, let's address that. And I have this whole method to bring them through how they would start easy
0: versus taking on the big project right at the get-go. Can you go more into detail about your method? How does that program unfold? What do they do during the program? I take
1: people through this whole week before we start. So the program's called 100 Epic Days. So it's 100 days. Of creatives, it could be artists, writers, musicians. They enter this program. We have a community, and we do live Zoom check-ins. The week before we start our official day one, where we're counting down every day: day one, day two, day three, day four, all the way to a hundred. A week before that starts, we have an epic prep week, where I'm bringing them through really my 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 methodology, and I have workbooks, and we do all of these journaling sessions. And it's really, it's lowering mistakes, making it easy. And I have my creative practice people and then my project people. And I have different teachings for both of those people. And it really depends. Like if you want to do a project, but you haven't been having a daily practice, I encourage them to do a daily practice in service of the eventual project just to start. I teach people how to unblock limiting beliefs. A lot of times it's all in our head of why we're not doing something. I teach them how to identify what those things might be that are holding them back, how to unblock them, how to remove barriers, how to build boundaries. A lot of this is boundaries with ourselves, with our families, and how to just like affirm your future and really believe that you can do it. So this whole week of just like, yes, okay, this is going to be easy. I can do this. I have a plan. And then we start together and I do my project with everyone, which is why it's so unique. So every single time a 100 Epic Days program starts, I'm in it too. So this current round starts at the end of February and I'm taking on my project where I'm finishing a new card deck. So, I'm going to be right in it with them posting what I did every day. So, day one, we have a check in post. I'm going to post, you know, did I do my thing today? And then day two, what did I do? Day three. And we all check in together in those posts in our community. And then we have twice a month these Zoom calls where we're really integrating what we're learning about ourselves, our process as a creative. In context with our life circumstances, you know, a lot of times that's not taken into account, but we want to really, really recognize that. Like some people have ADHD, some people have three kids, some people have a really demanding day job, you know, whatever it is, we want to come together and be like, how, hey, like, how is it going? I know you have a really stressful job. Like, how has it been going to do this? Do you need to adjust anything? What are you learning about yourself, about what works? So, you have that space to really talk it out and hear from everyone else in the group. And you just get like swept up in this tornado of energy of everybody kind of overcoming all odds to get this thing done without the hustle, though. And it's like, it really is like I encourage people to just spend 20 minutes a day. It's not like we're staying up late. I can't do that anymore. I have a two year old. (laughs) So, it's really special and it's hard to explain, but people come out on the other side just completely different. And people who were so timid posting anything of, with their artwork will come out on day 100 and say, if for the first time I can call myself an artist, or for the first time I feel confident saying I'm a writer. And it's because They've been writing, they've been making art. It's the consistency, but having that container to really hold you in it is what's key.
0: exactly, exactly. you mentioned you also do this one hundred day challenge as an artist, as a creative professional, of course you you know yourself and that's why you teach that program. you know how that creativity process uh, unfolds but During this practice, have you had any revelations about yourself, about how your psyche, your creative self works? I think the biggest thing that I uncover every
1: single time is that the same thought loops are running through my head every single time I take on a project. It's the same inner critic themes, and there's not that many. And what I've noticed as I've been coaching others is that everybody has about three to five patterns and, and thought loops that are, that are talking to them and saying why they can't do it. There's not that many when you start to categorize them. And I don't know if I'm going to think of them off the top of my head, but mine are, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough skill to do this. And I'm, I'm like blanking on the others, but they're all kind of like that. It's like whatever your, your negative self-talk is, it will just repeat those over and over and over and when you can go through this program where you have the accountability and and the, the like mental strength to stay in it you recognize what yours are and it becomes so obvious and you almost like laugh at it you know i this is my 5th round of 100 epic days and i'm about to enter into and I'm like, I know the same stuff is just going to come up again. And when you build that really laser focused awareness around what yours are, then you're able to just scoot around it and be like, okay, cool. I hear you that you're worried about the time. Like I've seen that before. I've shown myself that I can do this.
0: You know, thank you for your thoughts. I'm going to go ahead and do this anyway. Yeah. You kind of become an observer of your own thoughts of your behavior of your thought lips that's interesting it's very
1: similar to meditation like it's all about the return you know a lot of people say i can't meditate because my mind wanders but it's that recognizing that your mind is wandering that's the meditation (laughs) you know it's like bringing yourself back to center like that is meditating so it's kind of like that
0: we've been talking a lot about how to Unleash your creativity, but actually, we didn't talk about what it is. I think for different people, it's something different. What is creativity for you? Oh, that's such a great question. Creativity for me, if for my
1: personal self, is going inward and letting the whole outside world just drift away and just thinking into my soul and saying, what do I want to say right now? And a lot of times I get to that place by journaling and then an image will come up or I'll get an idea for an image on a walk or in the shower when my mind is just so calm. And I'll write that down. I'll I'll capture that for later because a lot of times when I sit down to actually draw, I'm not in that creative state. So you have to get there. You have to get to that place. And it's kind of a journey. But a lot of times monotonous activities can help you, like washing the dishes. You know, keep a notebook out so that you can write down that, that image that just flashed by for a second. So it's this space that's just so you. And I think that really comes out in my drawings. And people see that. It's so obvious that this is coming from that otherworldly place. And then I capture it in as best of the way that I can with the skills and the time that I have right now, I express that through my hands and and that's what it is to me.
0: Wonderful. They often say creativity is something that is related to our inner child. And that's true, actually. You have small kids. Still, you are a a grown-up person. And you have the distance from your childhood. How do they help you connect with your inner child? What revelations, discoveries have you had communicating with your children? Mm,
1: it's funny because <laughs> everyone thinks because I'm an artist that I just love doing art projects with my kids. But I actually find it very stressful. Because <laughs> I just like make a big mess and like the paint can gets spilled and they jump something over there and but one thing that I do remember very clearly is the first time I gave my son play-doh and I tell this story a lot he he like touched that play-doh in his hands and you could see his eyes just light up like wow this is something I've never felt before and and he was just exploring like what can I do with this oh my gosh I can squish it I can roll it I can smear it on the table oh my gosh this is incredible and just that zest and that look in his eyes and then the next day he asked for the play-doh and then the next day he asked for the play-doh and what that really taught me is that you know what we need to do as artists or writers or creatives or whoever we are we need to do what feels good for our body when we're doing our creative act and you could tell his body wanted to touch that play-doh that's why he wanted to return to it because it felt good and that's what creates the consistency when you do something that feels good and a lot of times as adults with all our conditioning we have this idea of this grand project and we're trying to force it and it's not working and that's why i encourage people to start easy lower the stakes make it less complicated and do what's what feels good in your body like the sensory experience and sometimes it won't make sense you'll say you know leanne eventually i need to write this book in google docs or word or something i'm like yeah that's cool but what feels good to you right now pen and paper great, start there. And then eventually you can get to the computer. So that's my big takeaway from my kids is like that really just sensory feeling
0: of what it means to create something. That's so true. And my last question for you is the one I ask all my guests. The podcast is called Being Modern, Being Human. What does being modern and being human mean to you? I love these words
1: and I love that question. And for me, what comes up is self-awareness. I think a lot of people are talking about like the conscious awakening of the world. And I really, I like pieces of that because I think the more that you can tap into what are my patterns? What am I looping on? Like I said, and building that awareness of who you are and what you do and what you desire And then taking steps to get there. That's being modern and human to me is just building that self-awareness about what you want, what you need, what you're currently looping in
0: your head and how you can change that. That's awesome. Thank you very much for this conversation. I loved it. I wish you all the success in your projects and everything you do. Thank you. This is so fun. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. If you enjoy being modern, being human, I'd love it if you could take a moment to rate and review the show on your favorite podcast platform. Your feedback is so valuable to me and helps you make the show better. And if you haven't already, be sure to hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode.